That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Forty days and forty nights, thou was fasting in the wild. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like, you know, that's that SNL couple played by Kristen Wiig and yeah, uh, it's good. Fred Armisen, where they right. make up the words, they don't really know what they're singing. You knew the words, but I was... Yeah, I was lost. You just, Anyways, it you, is. You know the tunes, Aaron. You know the tunes, Aaron. I know. So praise I know. God. It's for intense. That. I love it when you uh, when you sing to me, Jake. It's mm. great. So, and that song means just one thing and one thing only. It is Lent. It's Here Lent. we are, first it Sunday Lent. in Lent. Uh, so preachers out there, you're getting ready to preach on March first, and you are going to be preaching about uh, Genesis, uh, Romans, and Matthew. Genesis two the fall in the Garden of Eden with the snake and all that. Romans 5, where Paul talks about um, uh, how sin came into the world and how uh, Jesus uh, is the new Adam who messes, fixes the mess that the old Adam made. And then we've got this reading in Matthew chapter 4, which is Jesus, the new Adam, mm. being tempted and not falling, just mm-hmm. like uh, not falling the same way the, the first Adam did. So so that's where we're going. Uh, but first, I just have to check in. Jake, how are you doing psychodynamically in this, mm. these dark Lenten days? You're, you, as our listeners are listening, I'm sure you're now, you've, you've not eaten anything fried for a long time. Mm. You've been on the Peloton for two to three hours a day. <laughs> um, so you're, you're feeling okay? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Feeling great. Feeling um, holy, but not because of a righteousness of my own. But one that's been reckoned, but one that has been reckoned to, to me, so that God might be the just and the justifier, as we'll talk about in just a moment. Ooh, that's really good. Well, there it is. So, I mean, you're you're kind of getting ahead ahead of ourselves. So let's let's dig in to the. And I'm I'm doing fine, by the way. Thanks for not asking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna ask if you would give me a second, but anyway, sure. so that's all right. No, we'll ask fine. next no, week. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. See what it's fasting fine, does. See what fasting does, everybody. Makes us edgy, little curmudgeon But uh, so take Bother it easy. Cranky. Have a power bar and then say a prayer. That's right. Drink some bone bone broth. Aaron, do you forgive me? Uh, <laughs> grudgingly, yes. Yes, I do. You're up to, you're up to, you know, this, this is um, your 489th time. So mm. I'm just letting you know you're getting close to getting the limit close, prescribed by close. the Lord. So... Uh, so Genesis two. This is the beginning of the Bible. This is um, you've get you've got sort of the last good day on earth here. Uh, the man is in the garden. He's happy. You can eat freely. We know from this text also. You know some of these verses are are omitted, but we know that Adam and Eve are naked and they're not ashamed. They're in perfect relationship with each other. Uh, um, there's no arguing about the right way to load the dishwasher. There's no, Eve never says to Adam, are you going to wear that? Because they're not wearing anything. It's just perfect. They're just happy. 
They have great abs, and everything is wonderful. <laughs> uh, and and God says the only thing you got to do is just take care of this garden, which is already awesome and perfect. I know, which has no thorns and it's just good fruit all the time. And uh, and says you can eat whatever you want. And uh, but there's this one. I, there's only one rule in this whole place: just don't eat from this tree. And it's pretty simple because if you eat it, you'll die. <clears throat> Uh, mm-hmm. And Adam and Eve do exactly what everybody has always done when God says there's just one thing you can't do, or when your parents say there's one thing you can't do. Uh, if you do whatever you do, don't do this thing. They immediately do the thing. Right. Um, and there's a story with the serpent and the temptation and the whole thing that happens. That if you want to quote an incredible song about this, it's the Hold Steady. It's uh, the album, the Cattle and the Creeping Things, mm. uh, which I think is also the name of the song. And the way they describe this, and I always, um, whenever I teach this passage, I mention this because it sums it up so perfectly. The the dude blamed the chick. The chick blamed the snake. I heard they were both naked when they got busted, and it hasn't been the same since. And this is the story of the human condition. Uh, and there's a lot there. I, I, um, I so heard yeah, it. Where be- would you go I, with this? Well, I heard a better joke one time, and it was um, the uh, man blamed the woman, the woman blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. So, but uh, I would go just. So competitive, Jake. Yeah. I wasn't trying to win a joke battle with you. <laughs> you really are cranky. I'm not cranky. You're the one who's cranky. You should have a bar. So anyway, um, uh, the um, you should have a ghost a ghost pepper Dorito. <laughs> yeah, I should. I should just so, to repent. It's but, my act of uh, of more, uh, what is it like crucifying my flesh? The point. Okay. The point. One of the points here that you probably want to get at is is that the temptation is not the eating of anything. Uh, what's being tempted here by the serpent is the same thing that you and I are tempted with every day, and that is on the day that you shall eat of it, you will be like God. Uh, the temptation the temptation of every human being, and this is why we're in the season of Lent, is to put us back in touch with our creatureliness because we so long to reach up and be like God right now. We shall partake in his divine nature uh, someday, but, uh, um, but right now we are creatures. We are, we are not the creators, but that's the issue. And uh, this is what um, Adam and Eve are tempted with. And it's so interesting. There they are. They have everything made for them. Uh, they do not have to hide anything. But yet now that they've fallen, uh, they clothe themselves in, um, in, in fig leaves. I mean, for God's sakes, it's awful. And, uh, and you will see as you go through um, the end of this chapter, there's a very powerful like foreshadow of the gospel. God, who is gracious and merciful, doesn't eviscerate them right on the spot, which he has every right to. Um, uh, rather, inst- because the creature has basically said, I, I can be like you. I'm- I don't have to listen to you. And, uh, but instead, God doesn't eviscerate them. And instead, although he casts them from the garden, that's an act of grace so that they didn't eat of it, of the other fruit, and uh, live in eternal damnation. He uh, t- does, and there's an- a sacrifice, an animal. He clothes them in animal skins. Um, he clothes them in a sacrifice that's apart from themselves. So even right here from the beginning, the gospel, it's driving us towards the gospel. But the issue and the issue that we all face and what we're getting in touch with during the season of Lent is that we want to be gods. 
Yeah, so we read this passage and we see the fig leaves at the end, and I think it's important to note that it's not a random thing. Like, fig leaves are big and broad and really thick, and so that's why Adam and Eve, who at this point in the story of humanity are still vegetarians. Nobody kills animals and eats them mm. yet. That doesn't happen until uh, after Noah. Um, and so they don't know how to skin an animal or do anything. So they get the best leaf they can find to cover their nakedness. And mm. this, you know, there's a sense in which this really happened, but there's also a sense in which this clearly is an illustration of the human condition. When we try to cover up our sin, when we try to deceive mm. and pretend like we're someone we're not, um, we try to pretend like everything's fine, um, Fig leaves are ter- a terrible cover. It's like they dry out. I mean, if imagine if you try to dress yourself up in leaves, they would dry out after one day. They would rip apart. They wouldn't hold together. You 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 know you you sit down and your leaf is gonna tear. Like it's just not gonna stay on. It's like the mm. worst garment ever. And so it shows how how sort of ridiculous humans are when we try to pretend like everything's fine. We try to pretend. Um, like we're, we haven't just been crying all night uh, or, yeah. or for a week, you know, and that we're and, really okay. Um, we tried it. We're, oh, no. And yeah, if you so. want to see something cool, I mean, you go to John chapter one, and when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching him, he said, here truly is an Israelite with no seat. And he said, how do you know me? And Nathaniel asked, answered, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Um, this is this is the powerful yep. thing. You know, a lot of people say that it wasn't an apple, but it was actually a fig. But the truth is, is that since Adam and Eve covered themselves in fig leaves, we've all been trying to cover ourselves and cover who we actually are, our weaknesses, our hurts, our pains with fig leaves ever since. Uh, but this is the one that you're going to meet. There is coming one um, who uh, can take us out of the, from underneath the fig leaf and clothe us with his righteousness. Yeah, and now a terrible segue to an interesting Bible fact that I'd like to give you all. Uh, <laughs> the fact, the reason we think that the fruit, which is only called a fruit in this story, we don't know what it was. Um, the reason we call it an apple is because when St. Jerome translated the Bible from Hebrew into Latin to give us the Vulgate uh, translation is what people call it because it was in the vulgar or common tongue at the time. Uh, he was translating the word here fruit and he translated it malum, which means apple in Latin mm-hmm. because uh, the word malum in Latin also means evil. So he was making a pun uh, an intentional pun here. And so then people translated that into English or in the common understanding. That's where we think it's an apple, even though it's not in the Bible. And some people, yes, as Jake said, think it's a fig. Some people think it was a pomegranate. Nobody mm. knows. Could have been a banana. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's weird. Pineapple. But the point uh, but is the, that yeah, Jesus that's not the point. Us, okay, the end point is of Jesus. random biblical points. <laughs> no, that's great filler as you're getting, you know, m- warming people up for the gospel but uh the uh, i'm not or angry bo- aaron no <laughs> I'm boring <just> <laughs> you jake sorry no but okay um, back to no, the but text. the 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 great yeah let's just go to the god who justifies in romans so uh, well i do i do want to say just yeah. one more thing about the genesis passage um many preachers i have heard and probably still today, are tempted to use this passage as a way to map out the process by which people fall into temptation Mm, and then use it as a way to tell people how not to be tempted. They're going to say, okay, the devil's going to show up and he's going to take God's words, but he's going to twist them a little bit. 
and nonsense. then um, uh, and then uh, he'll try to tempt you know with he'll make it seem like a good thing and uh, and you'll see it delight to your eyes and it'll be it'll be tasty so like the kind of fleshly um, uh, kind of temptation that it, uh, it appeals to the senses that we have uh, and then it'll talk about how she let her husband sin and how human beings can tempt one another and so they use all of this as a way to talk about temptation and use it as like an instruction manual to avoid temptation which is probably the most shallow way to interpret this passage because with the passage it's not about helping you understand temptation anyone knows how to be tempted. We all understand it. (laughs) And the more we understand it, we're even less able to resist it. It's like that old quote from Oscar Wilde, like, how do you get rid of temptation? He was asked and he famously said, well, you yield to it. Or the other people that say, you know, when um, uh, there's that song, uh, leave me not unto temptation, I'm pretty sure I know the way myself. So (laughs) uh, that's not what this passage is about. The passage is about, it's trying to help us today, people actually always understand what's wrong with human beings. And the thing that's wrong with human beings is that we have done this thing, which has created a a, a huge chasm between us and God. It has broken us. Mm -hmm. And we now live in the state which, um, though we were created good, and that is wonderful to remember, in relationship with each other and with God, um, we are now in a situation we are no longer like that. We are covering our, we are naked. Uh, we don't know how to fix our problem, so we spend all our lives sewing fig leaves together to try to make everything look okay. The point of this passage is not a how-to manual of avoiding temptation. The point of this passage, and that, I could say the same thing. People do the same thing with the Matthew reading we'll get to later. They make it a how-to thing to avoid temptation. The point of this passage is to help you see who you are. As we said for the Ash Wednesday thing, Lent is a mirror. Lent is looking at yourself and seeing who you are. And in this passage, you're supposed to see who you are, which is someone who always chooses to do the thing you were told not to do. And then after you do it, you always try to hide and cover it up with things that don't work. Yeah. Uh, here endeth the lesson. And uh, this comes right and and bridges beautifully into Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Uh, St. Paul says and reminds us, you know, uh, actually, you know, how do you resist temptation? Give into it because sin is your state. And he says, as sin came through the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all, because all have sinned. Like, you know, the ramifications of this act, this is Paul's point, one of Paul's points here in Romans 5. The ramifications of what we've just read in Genesis have rippled out and affected absolutely positively everyone. Um, Here in Romans chapter 5, there's a big argument about, you know, basically two atoms. God sees the world through two atoms, through the first atom or through the second. And uh, we are all found in uh, in one of them. And so, um, you know, when people say, um, do you have a personal relationship with God? Everybody's got a personal relationship with God. The question <laughs> is, is it in the first Adam or is it in the second? And, um, and uh, is it in his wrath or will it be in his mercy and grace? But this is what's happened. Adam and Eve, boom, this has just affected everybody. Nobody can quite articulate how devastating this breach actually was. Yeah. So here, yeah, Paul is giving the description of this breach, and he's basically using theological language to describe what happened in Genesis 2. And he's saying, so in that story, in that narrative, in that poetic form, what actually happened is that sin came into the world and affected us all. And this is, so we get into some stuff here. The big theological words are original sin and total depravity. Not popular words. Don't put them on your church billboard. Uh, or maybe do. Whatever. What? what? We just did. Yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> People and are loving it. 
See so, who comes on Sunday. So the, <laughs> the original sin is just this idea that human beings are born with this flaw baked into the cake. We are hardwired this way. This is why no child, even the most beautiful, perfect baby who's ever come out of the womb, no child ever needed to be taught to lie. Mm-hmm. No child never needed to be taught to um, want what they want and want it now. No child mm-hmm. ever had to be taught to reject the mashed up peas that their mother has lovingly yep. offered to them. Um, children just figure that out on their own is, you know, the Medea thing. I can do bad all by myself. The, um, that's the, a great uh, reference. Yeah. Watch that people. So the, 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 the idea is that everybody has this baked in and there's a lot of people say people are basically good. And we affirm that people were created good and in the image of God, but that is not the way we are living now. People are the worst. I mean, everybody who says people are basically good. I want to say, have you ever driven on a highway? Have you ever tried to get uh, change lanes? Have you ever Mm. been to a grocery store? People are the worst. And so actually, yeah, the, the, uh, China is a perfect example as a whole country of like kind of what humanity has done. Like, you know what I mean? With the hiding, the Chinese government, the hiding of the coronavirus. You see that. I mean, it's a perfect example. They knew this was out there. They knew it was devastating and they hid it for four weeks. We know all sorts of things, but we choose to hide. We want to hide behind fig leaves of various sorts. And this is this is Paul's point right here in this first verses of in Romans chapter five verses twelve, the, yeah. the first and, paragraph here. And so original sin is this very freeing idea. And once you get it, you'll if you can get this, you'll stop being so disappointed mm. in people all the time. You'll yeah. have a low anthropology because you understand that people are the worst. Um, the other thing is this idea of total depravity, which sounds. People misunderstand this. They think it means everybody is totally depraved. That's not what it means. It means that this infection in the world has affected everybody. There's not a single human being who has not been touched by this in some way, whether you are the queen of England or whether you are um, a person who spends their days uh, finding trash in the slums of Manila or whether you are running a hedge fund um, in Greenwich, Connecticut or whether you're trying to start a company in Silicon Valley or you're a hunter and trying to cross the border into the United States. All these people Mm -hmm. are, are, everybody is, is touched by original sin. Everybody and is, total depravity. This way. And yeah, so so these are the ideas. And but you don't just want your people to know that because it's interesting to know. You want them to know that because we in Christianity are trying to we're truth dealers and we are truth tellers. And once you can get in the place of truth in reality, this is where God lives. God doesn't live in lies. God lives in truth. Mm. And so. Uh, this is uh, we're inviting people to see again. Look in the mirror. See who you are. And then you're at a place where, as St. Paul gives it to you in Romans 5, there's a free gift. Um, All of us are brought down by by original sin. We're all affected by it. It brings only condemnation. uh, But we have, but we're thankfully, God be praised, we're not asked to then fix ourselves, to pull us up out of the, somehow magically get ourselves out of the quicksand on our own power. Instead, we are pulled out of it. We're, we're justified. We are freed. We receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, St. Paul says. Mm. Uh, it's just, just make sure you want to uh, highlight and underline these words for the congregation. They are so loved right now. It, I mean, they just can't stand it. Like this is, there's no way they could be loved more. They have been given the free gift of righteousness. Everything they think they should be and wish they were, um, it has been given to them, uh, and that's that's the that's the gospel. That's yeah. that's right here in Romans five. 
You know, your buddy Alan Jacobs, uh, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, wrote a great book called um, Original Sin. And uh, he talks about how this doctrine is the only thing that like actually makes sense of the planet Earth. And uh, and hmm. like you said, we're we're truth tellers, and the gospel and Christianity makes no sense without this diagnosis, without this speaking of the truth. But when you do diagnose the human condition properly, you're totally depraved. Then you the free gift actually becomes incredibly, incredibly sweet. Um, you know, um, it becomes the best news ever. If because of one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, Paul goes right here, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is like, this is the gospel. Uh, this Amen. is your relationship with God. It is either in death or it is completely in grace and the free gift of righteousness. Take it. Take yep. it. The, the, I mean, it, many will be made righteous. And that is so key because so many people think that Christianity is, is about making oneself righteous on your yeah. own strength. And it's it couldn't that could yeah. not be farther from the truth. Lent, by Lent is all about re reminding your congregation that they are not made righteous by their deeds. Uh, their deeds put them in touch with their creatureliness. Uh, Lent is about reminding people that they have been made righteous by the obedience of Jesus. And that becomes the perfect bridge for us into Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, which is a standard reading for the first Sunday of Lent. Yep, Jesus. Uh, this is immediately after his baptism, and he's been uh, heralded by a voice from heaven as the Son of God. Um, spiritual high, the beginning of his ministry, his inauguration day, and immediately he goes into the wilderness. God leads him into the wilderness. Profound statement there about how when you're on a spiritual high, um, it often means that it's about to change. It's going to end. Um, and he's he's being tempted by the devil. Uh, there's, there's something here about um, how, uh, I think for your congregation, if you want to talk about it, that the Christian life is not one that's free of temptation, free of pain, free of suffering, because the first act of Jesus's ministry is to dive into the deep end of the pool of suffering, uh, 40 days and 40 nights. And it says he was famished. He was fully human. He was actually starving. Uh, he's gaunt. He's hungry. Um, he's going to be very tired at this point. Um, uh, humanly speaking, near death. And it's at this moment that the devil comes and says, the same serpent uh, that we saw in Genesis 2, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Then the other temptation is to, you know, uh, throw yourself down to prove that you're God. Uh, and then finally, I'll give you worldly power. And what's interesting, all these temptations are not actual sins. Uh, he's not like, hey, Jesus, you want to smoke? Um <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey, Jesus. Uh, you know, let's let's um, let's go to let's let's go to a strip club or, or or hey, Jesus, let's go, you know, rack up our credit card debt. You know, there's nothing there's other things that we tend to think are bad things. He just he says, um, you know, prove to me your God, which would be fitting yeah. with Jesus's mission. He says, um, show me that the scriptures are true because the scriptures say that angels will help you if you get in trouble. So get in trouble so I can show that you're, so I can understand your God. And then here, I'll give you the kingdom's world so you can accomplish mm -hmm. your mission. I'll give you all the power. Um, I mean, worshiping Satan, that is clearly a sin. Yeah. You know, I want to add that caveat to the first <laughs> thing I said. But, but uh, um, yeah, well, uh, he's, he's, he's giving him things that are not what we normally think of as bad, usually. Um, 
you, he's, he gives him the justification for each thing, which is usually what happens when we're tempted. We can justify it really easily, and yeah. the devil is good at serving up that justification. All, that's what happens here. All of these things, though, are rooted in some sort of, like, I mean, uh, when all of these things become something unhinged in the human, though, the, yes. all of these things become something which enables us to forget our creatureliness. For example, our appetite. So he's tempted with bread. You know, um, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And remember, Jesus hasn't eaten for forty days. This is, um, this is, this is a temptation. But just go ahead and eat. Fulfill your appetite, Jesus. Like satisfy yourself. You know, um, mm-hmm. because to to not is to remind her that Jesus is man. Um, uh, the other is is yeah, like prove yourself if you are the Son of God. So prove yourself. Like that is something we're always trying to do in our sinful nature temptation to prove who we actually are, to, to, uh, to identify ourselves on our own. But remember, Jesus previously had already been identified as mm-hmm. the beloved son. And then finally, yeah, um, power. Um, you know, sure, you use this, you can fund your ministry, Jesus, all the live long day. But ultimately, you know, that when, when, when those, that provision is provided, we forget who our provider actually is. This really is all about getting the crown before the cross. And mm-hmm. uh, and that is what is happening here with Jesus. Uh, the crown before the cross. And um, that is the temptation. Be God now. Like, even though you are God, like, f- like, fill yourself up with all of the stuff you've just emptied yourself of right now. Yeah. And the... Um... There's, there is stuff in here, you know, th- this is kind of all prelude to what I think of the main point of the passages, although there is, um, you know, there's other stuff we could talk about, the 40 days and 40 nights. This is, mm-hmm. this is remind, Mrs. Matthew using Jewish um, imagery yeah. and New Israel right here. Right, to say this is Moses, this is the new Israel, the 40 years they spent in the desert before they arrived in the promised land. This is, you know, Jesus came through the rivers, the, the Jordan River came through water, just like Moses came through the Red Sea with the Israelites. Then they spent 40 years in the desert here Jesus spends 40 days he's basically he's saying Jesus is recapitulating the history of Israel so that's here that's under there that's not the most interesting thing to preach that'll go over the heads of most of your congregation but you dear listener who care about these things we want you to know what's going on here but um the point of this passage as I said in the beginning is not how to resist temptation you know people often say quote scripture and memorize scripture to resist temptation. I can tell you from personal experience, it has a very poor track record of success. It and occasionally like, will work. And like but the devil, doesn't. and like the devil, sometimes I use scripture to justify my temptations. Right, right. You and know? so this is not like a, a manual, as I once heard somebody say, the Bible is God's instruction manual for life. No. Basic the instructions Bible, before leaving earth. Oh, that's what, yeah, the B I B L E. The Bible is telling you who God is in Christ and what he has done for you. Um, Yes, there's stuff in there about how to live, but that's not what this passage is about. This passage is not about how you can resist temptation. This passage is about the fact that there was one person in the history of the world who did, and his name was Jesus Christ, and so his righteousness is perfect, and he can give that to you. This is the gift, as we saw in the the passage from Paul in, in Romans 5. He gives you righteousness. Mm. This is where he gets it because he is the one who didn't yield to temptation when you did. The point of this passage is not, um, again, for how you can resist temptation. The point of this passage is is Mm. that there was one guy one time who actually did it and his righteousness is given to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when Adam and Eve have their first son, they 
think that that this is it, the one who's come to save them. You know, and you quickly find out that humanity is a total mess. Total depravity has really taken over. And then Seth comes along and they're like, maybe this is the one. Nope. We go all the way to Noah. Maybe he's, nope. David, maybe he's the, nope. You know, and finally, the point of this passage is to say, here he is, the new Adam, the one who's going to defeat the devil on your behalf. And uh, that is really the good news of the gospel in this passage. Let them know that here he is. And I love this scene, then the devil left him because now is not the appointed time when Jesus was going to defeat him. That would be on the cross. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. And there's this amazing painting by James Tissot of Jesus in the wilderness. And he's laying just exhausted, exhausted. Mm. And the angels around him, but he's in the shape. He's in a cruciform shape. And uh, it is just a powerful thing, which is foreshadowing what this all is about. The one who is going to um, bring uh, this one man's act of righteousness will lead to justification in life for all, as St. Paul says. For just as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Here he is. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And you have been made righteous. Lent is about being made righteous by Jesus. Yeah, this is the picture of the obedience here in Matthew 4, and this is what is has been given to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, that's Tissot, T-I-S-S-O-T, for you non-art history majors out there. Or uh, as we say, want... Tissot. Tissot. <laughs> Jim Tissot. Look him up. Uh, amazing, uh, amazing uh, works of art he did as mm-hmm. illustrations of, of uh, the Bible. I have I have a big a big book of his stuff in the in my office. I'm looking at it right now. Oh. Uh well, Jake, anything else? I mean, I feel like we've just no, we've, I feel like we we've covered left it. it all on the court yeah, here today. That's right. That's right. I think we've done a great job. And uh, But uh, I'm going to get back in touch with my creatureliness, so we'll let everybody go. And Jake, remember, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. Uh, if only it were true. <laughs> Till next time. Peace, everybody. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. we like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.